Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the tenures of Gliadrich and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, we'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Ali! Craig! How you doing? Very good. How are you? I'm also very good. Is that? Do you think that's a better introduction to the hello bonjour thing we're well, doing? Let's put it out to the podcast, the international mm. podcast yep. masses. Yeah. Do you think that that's a better introduction? I think it may be. Yeah. It's it's different. We're mixing it up rather than rather than going in with hello or hello. Yeah. Hello. Depending where you are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah obviously. Yeah. It's like. It, it worked. It worked fine last week until Paul pointed out that you know we are both from Scotland and we both start conversations like, "All right, that <laughs> yeah. that kind of ruined." <laughs> Do you know, um, I remember being at the <laughs> at the French Open with Ross, the tennis. Yeah, you know, we're pretending we were posh. The day. <laughs> uh, we were out playing a gig in Paris, and uh, but we're talking about how Scottish people when they're cheering on Andy Murray, yeah, it's basically like, that is. <laughs> Come on, Andy. Yeah. Do you know, I think that's the same for everything in Scotland. Like, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, if you're at the shops and someone bumps into you, you go, ah, ah. It's just, it's a yeah. groan. Yeah, it definitely is. And, the, right. and that's the thing, like, people sometimes right, say things about Andy Murray and the way, because he's, he's got that voice, he just, he's monotone. I don't, I don't know if that was as good as my impression from a few, a few episodes. Oh, it, it wasn't, guaranteed. I mean, we're just making noises now. Yeah, I think the the, the listenerhood will be questioning mm. the noises that we're making. Maybe that's how we have to start these things. We just make random. Would that work? So rather so than going like, hello, we just go Meh, every every episode from now on. Yeah, so like maybe we could edit this out. Like, Actually, yeah. So if if right, so I'll edit out the start. Yeah. So right, we'll just pretend we're going from the start. We're just, uh. It's it's almost like a dry heave. It's like we're both going. It's sort of like I know I know we're sitting here having our uh, our, our pints of Leffe, a Belgian mm, Leffe. Yes. We have Belgian listeners, by the way. Have we not got any yet? No Belgian no. listeners, and we're drinking their beer. That's mm. we really should be drinking a Russian beer here. I really hope by the time we've we've got a a Belgian beer story, mm. I really hope by the time we get to that, we do have listeners in Belgium. Bear in mind though that this is this has been recorded. Um, uh, oh. late late October and this is yes. going to go out late November so maybe but we've got yep. a month from recording this to get to find some Belgian listeners see we started off three weeks in advance <clears throat> but we're now getting to the stage where we're recording like four weeks in advance so do you think by the time we get towards the, the end of our plan we're going to be recording like six months in advance like what if what if we record this and like I die in between imagine the six we've recorded to a certain point and like a meteor hits the planet Hits, hits planet Earth and suddenly there's, mm. there's nothing. And we are we are the we are the the kind of uh, time capsule that some aliens landing on our. Imagine sort of like if imagine <clears throat> if that happened and the, they find this capsule and the first thing they hear is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> they would probably go. Nah, screw this. I'm away. <laughs> they might be they might be able to communicate with it though. They might feel. Oh, mm. Mm. They, they might feel like that's a more acceptable. See, I'm form doing it with communi- the, <laughs> they're not even noticing now. I'm going. They, mm. they might feel that's a more acceptable form of communication than like our complicated lingo. Mm. But do you think? Mm. Do you think mm. if if a meteor hit, mm, 
somewhere on. Do you think Scotland would be the best place to to land out of the be, whole world? The, the, well, why the would aliens be? would be running around chasing haggis. Haggai. Yeah, they would. Actually, that's a good. They'd, for they'd the, be running around. They'd be. They'd be running around going. Huh? For the international <laughs> listeners, they they've maybe never seen a wild haggis before. Maybe it's not. Yeah. And it's a sight to be seen. Have you ever seen a wild haggis? Oh yeah. Have all you? the time. Have you seen a haggai? I've seen a haggai. Yes. Hmm. Haggis. Mini- haggis. 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 Right. This is this is dreadful. <laughs> In fact, I don't even know what time do we start. At so, this point, right? What's going on? You, normally, this is the point where you chip in and go, right, Craig, I found this stat or this fact this week, right? Yeah. Do you know what? I was trying to find one this week. Mm, genuinely didn't find one. Were you, were you sitting there going, huh? Yeah, I was typing into Google, Scotland, <laughs> to find, try and find a fact on it. Mm, didn't it's find like one. That, we all, we, currently at this point, we sound like the Little Britain sketch there. <laughs> but that's literally what we said like on this episode of the podcast. Yeah. However, I've uh, I found a fact this week. All right. Okay. And the fact is that did you know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Any noise we make now is just. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that humans are the only animals that blush? I didn't. So I did not know that. What makes you blush? What embarrasses you? Or what has been the most embarrassing thing that you've done? The most embarrassed. You know what? I I genuinely don't think I get embarrassed. I genuinely don't. I think you learn. Do there you, must do be something. You... There must be something in your life that, or, or a moment that stands out that you've gone. Oh, that was embarrassing. I mean, I probably don't say it out loud. There's plenty of moments in my life where I've gone, Jesus, I should not have done that or something like that. But that's. I wouldn't say that's embarrassing. That's probably. That's regret. Yeah. And we're not. We don't like discussing the past on this podcast, we're even though we're it, yeah. even though we're discussing the past. We're going through old ground here, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I get that embarrassed. I have to say, actually, mm. which is maybe a surprise. Um, do you get quite embarrassed? I can do. Yeah. In what situations? Well, before we came on air yes. internationally. Yes. Right here, right mm. now. <laughs> I was thinking about what the most embarrassing thing I'd ever done was, or the most embarrassing moment. Right. And actually, the most embarrassing thing I've ever done probably was post gig at one point. Like mm-hmm. after gig, yeah. I say one point. Pretty sure it was last year. Okay. And it was in Edinburgh, following a gig at Stramash. Mm-hmm. We just played at Stramash to carry on the recurring theme. We'd had a few beers. Yep. It was it was fun. It was all all grand and dandy, right? Yeah. Had gone back to the hotel. Got my maison in Edinburgh, no yep. less. I um. A few drinks down, you know. Yep. True Scotsman and all that. Let, let's just put it out there. We're a big reveal here for the punters listening in. The, the, yep. the podcast, the international podcast masses. The listenership. The listenerhood, yeah. When I, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when I had... If I'm in a kilt and I've had a few drinks, uh-huh. I don't tend to wear anything under my kilt. Big reveal. Yeah. Right, well, okay, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or, or maybe a wee reveal. Depends how well, you... Potentially, yeah, yeah depending uh-huh. on how you look at things. <laughs> it was that, it was, yeah, that, that, I mean, a lot of people have made that noise when they've, yeah. they've had the... Uh-huh, <laughs> when they've had the reveal. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There's varying... Deg- I just realised there's varying degrees of uh that you can give. You can give a happy to see someone like a... Uh-huh. The way that you made that noise there, I thought you were supporting Andy Murray. You were, uh-huh. like, no. I, that was almost like... Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it was very close. It's a shame that the listenership can't see the facial expressions when we make these noises. <laughs> you know, before we went, before we started recording this one, you you asked me what this episode would be called. Yes. And I said I wasn't sure yet, but I think we need to call this episode. 
Hmm? How how do you type? <laughs> uh. um, UH? UH. That would be very confusing for the listeners who'd. Well, actually, interestingly, we're actually going to be going on to talk about my experiences in the USA. Hold on, before, so we, before we get there... We, we have... could call this episode... Huh? SA. <laughs> that's insulting more people as well. I mean, I it's mean, possible. Wait a minute, right, so to go back to my... That's what my I was going to say, yeah. 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 Don't wear anything under my kilt. Yeah. Had a few drinks. Gone to bed. T- taken my kilt off. Jumped into bed. No boxers were put on. Yeah. And I have, a, as I'm pretty sure you might know, mm-hmm. a pretty rubbish bladder. Right? Yes. Yes. So I woke... In the middle of the night, at some point, in Edinburgh at the Malmaison, and needed to go. Mm-hmm. I rolled out of bed, yes, and reached for the door handle, not realizing that I'd reached for the wrong door handle. Right. And before I knew it, I was in the corridor of the Edinburgh Malmaison, mm-hmm. but naked. Now, right. it's worth noting <clears throat> that I was still a half asleep and b hmm, a little bit drunk. Yes. And I don't really have any recollection of that part. I mm. went running along the corridor, and my next recollection, or my, my or when I came round, my recollection of it is realizing that I was peeing down the the carpet oh stairwell, God. the carpet stairwell of oh the Malmaison no. in Edinburgh. Oh. At which point I realized, what am I doing? Mm. This is highly embarrassing. Yeah. And it was at that point that I realized, yeah, I am blushing, right. uh, and we are the only species that can yeah. blush. And uh, <clears throat> give it a shake. And uh, and, uh, and I proceeded to head back to my uh, hotel room, yeah. at which point I had to bang on three doors before I realised which room was mine. Right. That is probably my most embarrassing tale. Did you inform anybody at the hotel that it was you, that the, re- the reason the corridor stunk of urine? Let's put it out there. Mm. Would you have? Would you have? Oh God, no. I would not admit to that. No, I'm in your boat. I did not. Right. So if by pure chance that somebody who works at the Malmaison is listening to this and wonders, I wonder how that carpet-soaked stain of urine ever appeared. I had this chat with a girl this week. I feel like this is a recurring theme also. Yeah. A A girl told me that that would make me group chat famous. Now that's fine. Right. Right. I hadn't really thought about what that meant. But basically, the person who was doing the CCTV that night at the Malmaison mm. must definitely have gone back and looked at that, filmed it, and sent it to all their pals in the group chat. Yeah. Because that's what I would have done. Yeah. So there is a group chat somewhere in the world where you are on CCTV urinating in a hotel corridor. Mm. If right. you're in that group chat, mm. send the footage. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. Um, I'm sure we could put a link for the listenership if they wanted to watch the footage as well. We could arrange something, I guess. I don't really know if they would like to. You see, when you started this uh, human blush, I think the most the most common reaction to that CCTV video would be, huh? I mean, I imagine the woman went through and went, "Boss, you'll never believe what's happened," and he's watched the video and gone, "Ooh," and that's, she's that's moving. A quite a, that's quite a prolonged. Uh, yeah. As well, well that, surely you just spell that with more H's. Yeah, U H H H H H. SA. Mm. I don't mm. think we can call it that. Why? What, UHSA? People just think we're dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, moving on. Uh, I, I feel like the bit that we talk, where we like kind of ramble at the start, it gets longer and longer by the week. It really does. And the stories seem to get worse and worse as well. Yeah, and the jokes yeah. and the banter. Yeah. The embarrassing moments get good, because I think that was quite embarrassing. I was going to say horrific. On a scale of good. 1 to 10. Mm. Or 0 to 10. 0 to 5. Yeah. How would you deem that in terms of embarrassment? 
Well, the thing is, I think it would be more embarrassing if somebody was in the corner and went, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't mean that one. It just went, Oi! We'll go with Oi. If someone stopped you and went, Oi! What are you doing? That would be more embarrassing if somebody hoed you yeah. or oyed you. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you. <laughs> oi, oi. And you're going, oh. no, That was the Colonel Mustard and Dijon 5 reference, by the way. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, Fantastic band. Oh, and they, they, are, they are the best festival band, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Aren't they just? Yeah. How, many, how many times did we see them last year? Belgium. Yep. Lindisfarne. Yep. And I feel like there was somewhere else as well. Yeah. But every time, absolutely brilliant. It's the really good band. What, what a band. Shout, yeah. shout out to the guys in the Colonel Mustard in the Dijon 5. Yeah. Um, big John McMustard, big Davy mm. Blair. Yeah. Legends. Brilliant. Um, anyway, we are here to talk about my uh, first experience. <laughs> we are here in to talk about, essay. Talk about something. Yeah. My, my, my first experiences in, in the USA. Yeah. For years, right, I'd thought it'd be the most amazing thing to have the chance to play in America yeah <clears throat> I'd never been to America growing up as a, as a wee boy I'd watched kind of from afar and like watching the media and stuff in terms of the scale of New York Tartan Week yeah um, it was kind of a dream to, all, to, to always be involved, of it, involved in it in some way mm-hmm. and I'd always hoped that that would become a reality yeah so five years ago 2015 I was very very lucky to get some kind of sponsorship from David Murray Transport. First of all, a big thank you to them, to David mm. Murray Transport, yeah. who, who, who were a, a sponsor of the band, but also supported a lot of the, um, of my own ventures. Yeah, David Murray Transport were a great sponsor for that for that trip. It basically got to the point where I just decided, I don't care, I'm going. Like, let's try and make some connections. Yeah. And and see how it goes. When uh, when this trip happened, was this the? Had you been to China before? Was this your first big? trip away as such I'd been to China yeah I'd, I'd been to China and I'd been to a few countries but uh, America was always something that I thought would be like, hugely exciting yeah uh, especially having read so much about New York Tartan Week and, mm. and how special it was to so many people yeah obviously we, we're from Angus right we so are. we've grown up knowing all about the, the declaration of our growth and yeah. its importance to to, to Scotland and uh, to have this celebration of something that was on our doorstep growing up in a city like New York yeah was just really uh, was it was inspiring and intriguing mm. to me you know that I could find myself over there 2015 I remember jumping on the plane uh, I'd, I'd put together an itinerary mm-hmm. with some contacts and stuff I managed to build some build some connections and I thought let's let's wait and see what happens Hopefully it's going to be a good week. Was this contacts and connections you had before you went, or was this as you were sort nah, of going along? Or it was connections that I'd built, the, the connections that I'd made in the build up to to going over. Yeah. But my first, so I flew on the Monday, I think. My first engagement was on the Tuesday. It was a reception for the Scottish government, mm-hmm. and it was taking place at the at the at Glasgow Caledonia University's kind of New York premise. Yeah. And it was an, it was an, uh, it was the launch of an art exhibition, right, by the, the, a great artist, uh, Gerard Burns. Got myself dressed up in my suit. It was five years ago, so I would have been twenty-two, still so a lot younger. Yeah, yep. still uh, fresh-faced. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went. I, I took myself over there. Got myself in. I, I was going in. I was going on my own, which was obviously a daunting experience. I didn't really know what to expect, but basically, there were, as you'd expect at uh, the launch of an art exhibition, there were all these paintings. Uh, that Gerard had Gerard had done yep. um, 
had commissioned for him or whatever, and they were basically of well-known Scots persons. Okay. So, Billy Connolly, Alan Cumming, uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, there were quite a few of them, Um, Mm -hmm. and and they were great. Their paintings paintings were really, really good. Yeah. And I remember standing there, again, recurring theme, with my glass of champagne, (laughs) and clocking Alan Cumming across the room. Yeah. Obviously, you'll, you'll know, that yeah. Alan Cumming grew up in the same area mm-hmm. as we did. Right? Yeah. He he went to Canusty High School like we did. Yeah. Um he um he grew up in, in Maniki, just up the road just, from where just I ten, ten minutes away. Five minutes away. Literally three yeah. minutes from where I was in, yep. in New Biggin. And I clocked him across the room and thought, Wow, you know, he's a Hollywood star mm. and he's from just up the road. I really need to go and say say hello. Mm-hmm. And, and he was basically the first connection that I made in New York that week. Yeah, and I went over. <laughs> I said to him, "Alan, Alan, hi, how you doing? I've always wanted to meet you. Uh, I, I'm from New Biggin, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stood there in New York, and that's the first that's thing the I first said. Thing. Yeah, there's uh, a recurrent theme about the first thing you say to people. I had Andy Murray. In fact, it's Scottish people as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm glad you. I'm glad you didn't go, Alan. Uh, and he went. Ooh. I mean, that would have been worse. Yeah. to be fair, but yeah. Alan, yeah, I've always wanted to meet you. I'm from, I'm from New Biggin, and he was like, "Whoa!" Like he he found it really powerful, you know, that we mm. were in, and it it was powerful. The fact that we were in New York, one of the biggest cosmopolitan cities in the world, yeah. And there was Alan coming that had grown up in the same area as me. Mm-hmm. He was kind of whisked away to wherever, and I didn't see him again that night because I was then to leave. I'd managed to sort out a gig at a venue called the Mercury Lounge, mm-hmm. and. I was basically guesting with an act called An Acoustic Mind, and they got their name because the guy Mike Ogletree, mm-hmm. who was the the singer, was I believe the founding drummer of Simple Minds. Ah, right, okay. So he was the founding drummer of Simple Minds. Probably knows Jed actually. Probably knows what kind of what, what coffee what coffee that Jed yeah. Does takes. Yeah, actually, he, he if might. if Mike happens to listen to this, he could let us know what coffee Jed takes, and if Jed listens. He could also let us know what coffee he takes. Having said that, like Jed wasn't a founding member of Simple Minds, so maybe they've never met. Maybe I am mm. the con- maybe I am the connecting factor between a founding member and a current member of. Do you, yeah. do you know they say that like you're never two, you're never more than two degrees of separation away from anyone in the world. Is that what they say? Is it? I, that, that's I've what they say. Never heard that. I mean, I don't know who they is. In Scotland, they probably go. <laughs> it's a good mm. chance. Good yeah. chance. So I was to head round to the Mercury Lounge after this reception. And with an acoustic mind, we were supporting a guy, Alan Merrill, right? Uh-huh. Alan Merrill was an absolute badass, and I didn't realise <laughs> who he was at the time. He was the guy that wrote I Love Rock and Roll. Ah, oh, right, okay. That yeah. guy must be worth an absolute fortune. Yeah. Because not only, obviously, he wrote it with the Arrows, yeah. it was then covered by Joan Jett, by Britney Spears, yeah. um, and, uh, and he was also sampled on the latest Eminem album. Oh, right, um, okay. So at the time, I, I thought, "Wow, this is unreal." Yeah. But even like even today, I still think that it's ridiculous that my first night, my first full day in New York mm-hmm. ever in America ever. Yeah. I was on there supporting the guy who wrote "I Love Rock and Roll" because what a song that uh, is! It's an incredible song. Actually, yeah, that yeah. might make a good Glearic piece. Do you think it might? Because I actually thought your reaction to that might have been. Huh? Well, I thought about it, but then I realised we know Ross listens to this podcast now, mm. so. If if this is the way he finds out that this is going to be in the next live live set, yeah, live set, yeah, yeah, it's maybe more worrying for Graham who won't be at the practice, won't be, at, well, arguably not even be at the game. I mean, we all knew that Graham. Let's be honest, doesn't care. <laughs> but after last week, 
I think it's clear to everyone in the world now just how little he does. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I didn't realise at the time was that Mike um, was also a member of Fiction Factory. Do you know Fiction Factory? Mm, No. No. Uh, um, They um, sung that song, Feels Like Heaven. You might know if you heard it. Um, probably and so it, yeah. that night I basically guested with an acoustic mind playing Will You Know Come Back Again and Feels Like Heaven mm. I don't know it was a really really strange day to have just arrived in New York and then to be at this reception and then at this gig at the Mercury Lounge because the Mercury Lounge was where the strokes apparently were signed right um, okay it was really weird to have be, to be in America for the first time and to have this buzz yeah so Wednesday came along right the next day you know Wednesday comes after Tuesday the next it day, usually the, does the yeah. next day in the week and the hotel that I was staying in mm-hmm. was not the Ritz. It, was it another Malmaison that you urinated? It was urinated not a Malmaison no, okay. that I urinated in. Okay. Uh, it might have been a hotel that some rats urinated in, no? Uh, because the reviews were not good and the room was pretty dodgy. Yeah? So, and, so, and you booked it because... Uh, it was the only one that would fit the sponsored budget at the time. Got you. Uh, and never again. <laughs> I would rather... Um, Part subsidise or fully subsidise my whole trip again rather than so sleep with the rats. Would, would I've you, slept with some rats. Have you? Oh. <laughs> would you rather um, stay in that hotel room again? Well, yeah, we're playing this game. Would you rather stay in that hotel room again or travel overnight by Megabus? Oh, oh. there you go. Mm-hmm. Like th- that, that is quite the question. Yeah, rats. Or a bus. I think I'd rather spend a night on the Megabus. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I, I would, fine. And I said I'd never do that again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, there we go. Yeah, another rele- revelation. I was lying there on the Wednesday in that hotel room in yep. New York, feeling jet lagged, mm-hmm. feeling hungover, feeling I, generally another ratty. another recurring theme: yeah. the hangovers. Yeah, uh, feeling generally ratty. Ratty. That was not a great. Response. What's, what's, it's um, fine. Well, I'll throw laughter in. That yeah 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 do that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah if you like edit in a. <laughs> uh, what right about now? No. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So I was playing a gig that night with the, the Highland Divas for the first time. Uh, a group who I had not met before uh, that occasion. A group who uh, had been recommended that we get in touch with one another, and I was going to be guesting as part of their 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 show at the Metropolitan Room. And that afternoon, lying on my bed if you could call it that, in New York. I got a message from Georgia, from the band, uh, from the from the Helen Divas, to say, FYI, Jimmy Fallon's coming to the show tonight. So we'll just take a step back. So the Highland Divas, for those who have never heard of the Highland Divas, mm. who are they and what do they do? Well, the Highland, the Highland Divas are like... Uh, I don't want to offend them. They are a, <laughs> they're a, a vocal group from... Well, actually, they're from all over. Mags is from Falkirk. You've got Marla from Dunedin in New Zealand, and Georgia is from Glasgow, I think. All three of them live in New York and are fantastic singers. They're very, very good. They sing mainly Scottish material in a, in their very in their own kind of unique style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I was basically going to be part of their show at the Metro. They're they're great. They're great friends now. Yeah. Uh, but at that time since we're working in chronological order, um, I had never met them and it had been recommended that we that we reach out to each other and, and get in touch. Yep. And Georgia had reached out that afternoon and said, look, Jimmy Fallon is coming to the show. I, I assume you know who Jimmy Fallon is. I do know who Jimmy Fallon is. At yeah. the time, I was like, wow. like I'm lying here like an absolute mess on this rat-infused bed yep. and I am about to play in front of Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. This is nuts. So I went along with the sound check. It was grand. 
and on and we got I got there on the night and didn't quite believe that it was actually going to happen. You know, yep. he he'd said that he was coming apparently, but I thought you know he's he's not going to show up. Jimmy Fallon, is the, like this is my second yeah. ever night in America. This is this can't be real. And you're busy thinking he's got other things to do. He's a busy guy. He's got other things thing. to be doing. Yeah, yeah. My involvement in that show was going to be that I was going to play a solo medley while the girls were getting changed, and then I was going to play Sky Boat Song with them uh, on stage. Yeah. And it got to pushing the part where. I was going on for that solo medley and I couldn't see Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, I don't know, let's say three numbers before it. It was maybe, because I was playing halfway through the show and I thought, oh, he's obviously, he's not coming. Yeah. And I said to one of the one of the guys that were from the venue, is he here? Is Jimmy, is Jimmy here? Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm, he always does this. You know, if he's coming to a show, he doesn't come right at the start. He doesn't like to cause a, a big fuss. Yeah. Um, he'll come. He, if he says he's coming... He'll be coming. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh. he's going to miss my part. Yeah. Well, literally the piece before I was due on, the door burst open and there was Jimmy Fallon and one of his minders. Mm-hmm. And he was ushered to a seat. Like, this is this was a pretty small cabaret style venue, so you could absolutely see him coming. Like, yeah. There was no, like, didn't matter if you were on the stage or at one of the tables in this room, like, you knew that that was, that was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. He was taken to a seat and, put, and, and sat down. I couldn't believe that I was away to go on and play a couple of pieces in front of Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. So I did it. It was a great buzz. Obviously, the fact that Jimmy was in the room by that point, the crowd were absolutely like raucous, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was amazing. So played my solo bit, um, saw him clapping, saw him cheering, and then I played my Sky Boat song with the, with the Highland Divas, which was great. And then at the end of the show, so Jimmy had been kind of, he'd kind of kept himself to himself throughout the, the second half of the show. You know, you wouldn't want to yeah. kind of raise attention to yourself. Yeah. But the girls then, the Highland Divas themselves, were then said that he was in the audience, asked him to stand up, and they and they threw him a wee Jimmy hat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and he was very, like, appreciative and stuff, and he was loving it, he, he was right into it. And then they hit him with, do you want to come and sing a song? Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if you've seen the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. I have seen episodes of it, yeah. He's actually a pretty good singer himself. Yeah. And he got up there and he sang Mustang Sally with them, <laughs> which is the most insane... Thing. It was just hilarious. It was. It was also really, honestly, it was unbelievable. In America, he is huge, right? Yeah. And there were people clambering on tables, on chairs, on each other to get photos, videos of Jimmy Fallon on stage singing Mustang Sally in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah. And I got to meet Jimmy after the show, and it was just like, this is insane that I am meeting Jimmy, F- one of the biggest TV personalities in the USA. Yeah. On my second ever day in America. Absolutely. And I, I love his features in his show. Have you seen some of his features in his shows? Yeah. Where he does like the, the daft covers with yeah. like the different, like the, the home instruments and stuff. Do you know, the very first time I ever saw him on telly was years before he had his Saturday show. Mm. And he was actually mm. in... Uh, Saturday Night Live. No, he had he had sat he was involved in Saturday Night Live oh, before. Oh no, before I the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Years ago, when I was a kid, I saw him in a film before that with Queen Latifah. Um, Queen Latifah. Huh? Huh? A film called Taxi, which is that must be early two thousands. But that was the first time I ever saw Jimmy Fallon, and then never saw him in anything again until he appeared on American television. And I thought he was brilliant. I was a kid back then, so I thought he was hilarious in that film. And he is a hilarious guy. Yeah, he's he's absolutely brilliant. Um, it was a really, really cool experience, but I couldn't predict what was going to happen. Like it was, a, it was the most unpredictable night I've, I've ever had. Yeah, probably because 
after that, there were a few kind of there were a few report, reporters from the Daily Record that were there, and they said, "Oh, are you, are you coming for a drink?" I don't know if they wanted a story or if, or if they they just genuinely thought Scottish people in America, let's go and have a drink. Yeah, there was the two of them, myself, and a, and another random girl who I'd never met, and the four of us were going to get in a cab. So we got to the cab, and the two Daily Record reporters were like, "Do you know what? Actually, we're really tired. We're gonna we're gonna leave it." Yeah. And so me and this girl that I'd never met got into this cab and we we're going to head to this after party at Highlands Bar. Mm-hmm. And obviously when you meet someone for the first time and you're suddenly in a taxi with them, you say, oh, hi, yeah, uh, yeah. So where are you from? She said, oh, I'm from this small village in uh, in Scotland, like near Dundee. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, me too. Yeah, what <laughs> what what village is it? Like, I'm kind of from Carnoustie. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, I went to Carnoustie. Hi. Right. Okay. So what's the village? Oh, I'm from Maniki. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm from Newbiggin. <laughs> And suddenly, it transpired that her parents yep. had been the owners of the Fiddlers in Maniki, uh-huh. which is where the after drinks for my christening had been. Right, and okay. uh, I'd never met her before, I had no connection with her before, mm-hmm. and it was like, this is wild. Like yeah. I've, I've met Alan Cummin, who is from the same part as us, and this girl Donna, who's also from the same part as us, and I'm in one of the biggest cosmopolitan cities in the world. It yep. just felt so surreal. We had a great night. It was a lot of fun. It was a great party. Uh, there was loads of cool people there. But I had to be in bed at a semi-reasonable time. Yeah. Because the following day, I was playing a performance, at a very, very different performance, at the 9-11 Memorial. Yeah. Uh, where, obviously, the, the Twin Towers attack had been... It was obviously... You've been to New York. You've yes. seen You've yeah. seen the, the Twin Towers. It's obviously a hugely, hugely emotional experience you, to be at Grand Zero. Do you remember where and when you were when that actually happened? I remember mm. coming home from school and yep. sitting on the end of the sofa and I was sitting reading Harry Potter and the Prison of Azkaban yep. when it came on the news the second time would have been hit. Yeah. Where were you? Uh, exact same. Uh, oh, exactly Funnily enough, um, I was in your house. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wasn't in your house. Um, yeah, we had just finished school because I remember it. I walked home to my granddad and walked in and put the telly on and he last had the telly on BBC News at lunchtime. And of course, telly on, BBC News and here's the two towers. And I went through and told him what was going on and he said, no, it must be a film you're watching. I went through and he came through and says, no, it's definitely a film. Because he obviously realised what was going on, so he very quickly changed the channel. Mm. So it's it's one of those things that you, it's a life thing. It never that leaves you. Yeah, you'll <laughs> always remember where you were and what you were doing. Yeah, so sad, but um, yeah, it was obviously a great kind of honour to have the opportunity to play at the nine eleven memorial site. And I was told at the time that they only only allow one performer there every month. Mm. They don't have music there all the time because yeah. obviously it's a very kind of it's a sacred kind of quiet peaceful yeah. sort of remembrance site for those who were victims and yeah. lost their lives at the, <clears throat> on that fateful day and yet I was there representing April 2015 mm-hmm. um, which felt really really powerful and moving um, as someone who to be fair had nothing to do with New York Yeah, and obviously I was there wearing the World Peace Tatten as an ambassador for the World Peace Tatten it was, it was a massive Honour to be there on that day. The 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 Scottish government actually made a a huge deal of the of my performance as well. They had all the ministers and stuff that were in New York for Tartan Week there, and they made they made a big splash in the press. You you've been to New York, right? And you yeah. you saw the you saw the the Ground Zero site. Yeah, it's incredibly incredibly moving. Mm-hmm. What were your what were your 
kind of thoughts and experiences when you were there? I remember the first time I went was um, with my ex-girlfriend at the time, um, and it was the first time either of us had been in America, and we both wanted to go. And I did say the one thing I wanted to do while I was there was go to 9-11. Have you been into the actual museum part under the... I've not, no. So that's... The site itself is very eerie and it's stranger in this, you know, possibly the busiest city in the world. Mm. Um, and it's just something about it. But under, under where everything happened, the museum part, it's even more eerie. You know, you walk around where where these people lived their daily lives, and you're walking around a museum, but it's just complete silence the entire time because mm. there's just so many, not artifacts is probably the wrong word, but just parts of what happened up to that day and that day itself. It is incredibly moving, actually. Mm. And the thing is, you're, maybe a lot of people don't realise this, but your day job is as a, mm. as a fireman. Yeah. So, like, to have been involved in that day as mm. a fireman must yeah. have been incredibly challenging, moving. There's probably not really words to put yeah, it's strange. Perspective. It is strange because the amount of when, as I say, when you go around there and just the scale of everything in New York is huge. You know, the buildings mm. are huge. Everything's massive. So just sort of trying to contemplate in your head what must what it must have been like for everyone that was there that day and the people who still suffer to this day. Mm. It's just it's yeah, you can't comprehend the scale of everything. Yeah, it's. I stood there, I, I had to stand at the survivor tree uh, in my World Peace Tartan kilt and I played the, the Star Spangled Banner and I played Flower of Scotland and it was just so, so, so powerful and I think, I can't think of a gig that I've ever done mm. that I've cried so much at. Yeah. Uh, there's not really words to describe it. I think what really, there was a lady, Lydia, uh, and Lydia, if you're listening there, yeah, thank you for tuning in, Lydia Robertson, and she she had lost she had sadly lost her mum during nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a tragic tragic moment for her and all her family, and, and something that sh- something that'll always be deep in her heart and yeah. a really really <clears throat> sad moment for her and all her family. It's it's not really words to describe that either. But she'd come over and she she'd felt sort of moved by the the music, the pipes, yeah. Um, and actually, I'm I'm still in touch with Lydia to this day. But actually, on that day, meeting someone in person who had lost someone during 9-11 and being there, playing there on that, it was really, really moving. And there's there's just, as I've said, there's not really any words to describe that. Yeah, it's, it's, as I say, it's it's a total eerie atmosphere around about the site and Mm. for being such an incredibly moving city and busy city everything's just deadly silent round about there and you can never even when you're standing there you can never really grasp exactly what you know what you see on tv it only no. goes so far that's the thing i think that that gig is one that i'll never be able to put into words there'll never be there'll never be that wasn't a gig yeah that that was a a life experience that will live with me for forever yeah really uh, because i don't know there's, and that's the that's the thing about yourself who plays bagpipes is that you know one day you are essentially in a a celtic rock band but then the next day you're doing something moving and touching and actually means a lot to a lot of people Mm. um but then you could be doing that in the same day as well yeah oh yeah 100 percent. it's such a 
almost like a, it's totally a versatile instrument it's that's a, fitting in with so many though, yeah. things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's versatile and uh, yeah, the, gig, the gigs that we get or I get are really eclectic. Like as you say, yeah. one minute they're this and the next minute they're completely the opposite. Yeah. And, and that, none more so than, than that trip in America where yeah. the next gig I played was, um, was on the Thursday for the National Trust for Scotland who had had some great experiences with in the past. Um, I, I'd played on quite a few of their, their cruises around the, the islands of Scotland and I had, through that, I'd, kind of, I'd connected with the NTS USA and I had, had been invited to play at their a Celebration of Scotland dinner, yeah. which, which happens every year in the, in the Metropolitan Club in Manhattan. It's the most exclusive private gentleman's club in the whole of the USA, apparently. Oh, okay. Uh, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton are both members. Wow. It's really it's highly esteemed company. It's mm. really serious stuff. I had to wear a suit for my sound check. <laughs> it was it's it's that serious. Is that the only time you've done that? It's the only time I've done that. Apparently, generally speaking, they have a rule that if you're caught with a mobile phone in that venue, you're yeah. fined three hundred dollars and your phone's taken off you. Wow. But they, for whatever reason, they, I don't know if that's a historic rule or if it's yeah. one that was relaxed for the evening. But I, I had my phone. Um, what was really crazy about that night was that they were presenting this Great Scott Award and I knew in advance that Billy Connolly was going to be receiving that award mm-hmm. who is um, a great Scott oh, I mean Billy Connolly is one oh, of yeah. the greatest Scots yeah are you a fan of Billy Connolly huge fan of Billy Connolly he's absolutely brilliant guy he's, yeah his we've spoken about timeless a few times on this podcast mm. mainly with Ross yeah uh, but but yes like Billy Connolly stuff is absolutely timeless yeah like he, he's an absolute talent Billy I was to stand at the front of the, the Metropolitan Club and pipe the guests in at first. And then they effectively had like a burn supper part to it where I was to kind of pipe in the haggis. Yeah. So I had this, this dressing room area. I say dressing room, it was basically behind the curtain, right? Yeah. And at a certain point in the night, I was standing there cheering up my pipes and pipes had seen the curtains open. Yeah. And rather than ask, like, you know, what's your name or whatever else or yeah. or anything like that he he said where are you from <laughs> literally like that and I said oh uh, oh Billy uh, I, I'm from I'm from Carnoustie and he said oh yeah yeah fine, fine place fine place and very very swiftly afterwards Alan Cumming popped back through as well yeah. obviously I'd met him on the Tuesday mm. uh, a couple of days prior and, and he remembered me from that because obviously uh, I was from the same kind of part of the world as him yeah, and he, he chatted for a while and do you know what he actually the most ridiculous thing happened he said that he his partner Grant mm-hmm. um, was turning I think 50 that week and they'd hired out Disneyland Florida <laughs> they'd hired out Disneyland Florida the whole thing yeah. for his birthday party and had asked what I was doing that weekend Yeah, basically saying would you come to Disneyland Florida to play yeah I couldn't because I was already sorted to go home and as you know I'm a, I'm a teacher yeah. so I had to be back in the classroom and so basically I had the opportunity to go and play at a private party at Disneyland for Alan Cumming and his partner yeah. and, and you turned it down I yeah. turned it down yeah. and that won't happen again I think the fact that there was three Scottish uh, males in in that wee sort of space is incredible mm. but what would have made it even more incredible was if the curtain burst open and Billy went huh? He went, uh, and I went, uh, uh, Disneyland, uh, and you went, uh. 
<laughs> that certainly would have been an interesting experience here. Let's would have been. Let's, would have been. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, enjoying. I played the Haggistin. The Haggistin. <laughs> what's, what's the Haggistin? Is that is that one word? It's a, it's a well-known tune. The Haggistin. The Haggistin, or is it the Haggis in? I played the Haggis in. It's alright. I'll edit that bit out yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Of course you will. Yeah. yeah, you're good at that. So you played the Haggistin. I, I trust your editing skills. I played the Haggis in. If we ever buy a, a hotel or something, we should call it that. The Haggistin. The Haggistin. <laughs> deal <laughs> pinky promising right here yeah. right Haggistin uh, the Haggistin yeah, yeah. Uh, so played the Haggistin uh, and um, took my seat at the, at the dinner for the for the awards part and whatnot. and it turned out that Alan Cumming was presenting Billy Connolly with the Great Scott of the Year award ah, right, on, okay. on stage I couldn't believe my ears but basically from the start Alan Cumming was referring to the fact that Billy Connolly had lost his virginity mm. in Arbroath of all the places to do of it. all the places. Right. If I had a pound for every time somebody has lost their virginity in our broth. <laughs> yeah. So he'd lost... Not, not only not only did he lose his virginity in our broth, mm. he lost his virginity at the Red Lion Caravan Park. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. So okay. Alan Cohn was referring to this... And, and rumour has it that the noise went something like... Huh? <laughs> What? That, that was both the noise in the room and yeah and what Billy's was happening yeah. yeah wait which room are we talking about rumour rumour the rumour oh, I thought you were talking about the virginity part it kind of went <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> essay um, so yeah um, the, the rumour had it that at the point at that point that Billy had lost his virginity in, at the Red Line Caravan Park in mm. Arbroath and uh, Alan had asked him about it and he he claimed that it was true yeah and what a place I still I still can't believe that. But oh, yeah. But what yeah. Anyway, following the following the dinner and the the, pre- the presentation of the award, there was a Kaylee. There was a Kaylee dance, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anybody there, and had asked this random girl to dance. Someone from Florida, I think. Yeah. And I am dancing on this dance floor as you do usually. Uh, yeah. And in front of me happened to be. Billy Connolly and Pamela Stevenson, right? Mm-hmm. Which in itself is hugely surreal. Like, uh, imagine yourself a random Kayleigh, right? Mm-hmm. And there's Billy Connolly. What would you ask? What would you say to Billy Connolly? I would say, Billy, is it true that you lost your virginity <laughs> at the Red Lion Caravan Park in <laughs> our broth? Yeah. So that's all fine and well, but do do you know? Do you know? Um, well, yeah, of course you know Carusty, because you know you yes. grew up in Carusty. You know Carusty better than me. I know Carusty. Stag's Head, Carnoustie. Yes, the pub, yeah. There's a massive, I say massive, that's quite an exaggeration. There's mm. a, a medium-sized yep. plaque yes. at the front of the Stag's Head that says something like, Billy mm. Connolly played his first ever public appearance here in the year X. Yes. You know the one? Yep. So I thought, this is just this chat's just gone on, you know, about the Red Line Caravan Park and yep. whatnot. That plaque's there. Billy Connolly's with, like, literally standing in front of me on the dance floor in New York. I might yep. as well ask him. So I said, Billy, Billy. How are you doing? Congratulations on your award. Um, <laughs> but more importantly... <laughs> but more importantly, is it true? Did you actually play your first ever gig in, in Carnoustie at the Stag's Head? Mm-hmm. And he basically said, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He was, honestly, he was hugely enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. It turned out that he had lost his virginity at the at the Red Line Caravan Park in Arbroath, mm. had been travelling through 
chronicity with yeah. his banjo and just decided to rock up at the stag's head and play. And that was the first place he ever played publicly. Was that the order he'd done it in? As in he'd lost his virginity first and then went and played a gig? Or I did think he so. play the gig and then there was somebody was a massive fan of him? Billy, if you're listening, mm, uh, can you yeah. clarify uh, which way that happened? I, I think that's what he said. Yeah, right. that he lost his virginity and then he went away and sort of celebrated by playing, by playing his banjo. <laughs> Usually people do it the other way around. They play the banjo and celebrate by losing their virginity. Yeah, yeah, it's possible, yeah. Do you know what that, do you know what I've always thought though? I've always thought that... Depends this, where this is going. No, no, it's seriously though. In terms of like marketing, mm-hmm. I've always thought that the Stag's Head should, since then, should really be called Connolly's. Oh, that's a very good point actually. If this, I, I think that if that bar was called Connolly's, it, mm. would, it would attract like a lot bigger clientele because of that connection. Because we sort of we grew up in that Arbroath Canoosty area. If yeah. you are a massive fan of Billy Connolly, then I would recommend going to check out that plaque at the Stag's, Stag's Head, Head in Carnoustie, Scotland. <laughs> if for our Russian listeners, yeah, Carnoustie, Scotland. Scotland, yes. D- don't you and think though? If it was called Connolly's, it would it would have a much bigger attraction. Oh yeah, yeah. If pe- I think if people knew more about the fact that Billy Connolly's first ever gig was there in Carnoustie, I think people would generally visit because it's the same no matter where you go. You know, Liverpool's famous for the Beatles, Cavern mm. Club, and all that sort of ties in. I think the same would apply for Billy Connolly and and the Stag's Head pub in Carnoustie, Scotland. <laughs> Carnoustie, Scotland. <laughs> Speaking of Scotland, uh, on the Friday I ended up at the uh, at a really cool event. Like it was a cool a people cool a, event. A cool people event. Cool like event. It, it seemed to be only cool people that were there. It was it was an event run by Scott Street Style, which is a sort of online presence run by um, Gordon Miller. And I know Gordon because um, he had been involved in the Dalai Lama's visit to Scotland as well. Okay. He was running this gathering in Brooklyn. And it was the coolest event with so many cool people. Was it cool? It was really cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. I, I felt cool. You would have felt cool too. Or is it say in Scotland? Cool. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the first time where I properly met Fred McCauley. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And uh, I, I'd seen Fred a few times like with his um, stand-up stuff. He played at my Freshers Week when I was at uni in Dundee. Mm. But I was stood there in my... Uh, looking cool. Looking or, try- cool. or trying to look... Cool. cool. In my in my royal peace tartan jacket, and he and he, suddenly he was outside, and there's a whole crowd of people that had rushed out to get their picture with Fred McCauley, and I was one of them, uh, and he he'd said, oh yeah, I really like your jacket, blah blah blah, and it t- it transpired that I met him quite a few times throughout that week. I went for lunch with him. Mags from the Highland Divas and I, along with Fred, got very very drunk at one point, and I can't remember I can't remember why it happened. There's that recurring theme again. Some of the times we can blame certain people. Like that time, we I'm, can blame Mags for that. But the I, fact was, that I was blaming Fred. Oh, right, okay. Mm. I was blaming Fred. It's, it's, it's right, okay, yeah, we'll go for Fred then, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. We can blame Mags for something else. I'm totally else. off track as to why that was important. But it was a cool party, it was cool people. It was, cool. It was, it was really cool. It was cool. And Fred uh, got the blame. And the Saturday was the first time that I'd been involved in the, the New York Tartan, Tartan Day Parade. Mm. That is one of the singular most unbelievable feelings I've ever had with the bagpipes. You can't imagine marching... So, Graham McTavish from Outlander was the was the Grand Marshal that day. Mm-hmm. I was there with, the, I think, with the, the Alexander Robertson School from New York, and I, and I sort of played their, played their, their party down 6th Avenue. But you can't imagine walking down 6th Avenue and the pipes and drums echoing off the, this, this these tall, tall buildings... 
and the, the sort of cheer of hundreds and thousands of people on the streets waving Scottish flags, cheering your every move. It's really, I don't know, it's, again, we're, we're talk, we've, we've spoken a lot about things that are touch and moving, yeah. heartfelt. Of all the things that make you proud to be Scottish, that parade is one of the most impressive in terms of like the scale and the size of it. It's really... And do you know what? Scotland's a very patriotic country, as it is. But the American people are very patriotic about Scottish people, aren't they? Yeah, I think everyone in America knows someone that's from Scotland or, or claims to be related to someone who's Scottish yeah. and stuff. And there's just this love for Scottish and everything Scottish, isn't there? Which is really... It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, it makes you feel really welcome and really at home, Yeah. despite being so far away from Scotland. Yeah. You know? That Tartan Day Parade is something that has... This this would have been my, I think my sixth year there this year if it weren't for COVID. COVID. Our old friend COVID. Um, Maybe that should be what we call, uh, instead of going COVID from now on, we go, uh, that just means COVID. It would, it would require anybody in, in future listening to episodes that, to have listened to this one. That's a good point, yeah. And if they haven't listened to this one, then they're really it's missing It's not going to work. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, that, that parade in New York is really, really special and uh, a massive... Hats off to, to Kyle Dawson, who's the current mm. president of New York Tartan Week, for all the work that he does year in, year out to make that a, a massive spectacle. It's obviously a great celebration, and there's there's many Scottish drinks consumed throughout that day. But the Sunday, I, I, I wasn't finished yet, so I, I had, I'd written a piece. I was commissioned by uh, Tartan Day on Ellis Island to write uh, a piece called, which I called... The Immigrants' Lament, and it was basically to commemorate the, the hundreds and thousands of Scots that had immigrated to the, the US through Ellis Island all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a brilliant celebration and programme that they have going on every single year on Ellis Island. And it was such a such a huge honour, again, to, it, was a, it was honestly a week of huge honours that year, five years ago. Every single thing that I did was a, it felt huge and really powerful. Yeah. Um, and that was that. That was another one of those playing that immigrant lament on that island for the for the first time, um, surrounded by both Scots and Americans. Again, it was a beautiful sunny day, and it was against the backdrop of the Manhattan skyline. It felt mm. it was a very very special moment, and obviously it, it was one that eventually formed the release of the immigrant lament on the Definition EP. Do you know what? I really enjoyed uh, Immigrants Lament actually because when I when I'm mixing the live sound, it's such a such a hectic set and there's mm. a lot of stuff going on and things change so much. And then when that appears in the set, it's just that moment of nice calm mm. where it is Serene. just just the the bagpipes, that instrument, everything that Scottish people should be proud of and are proud of. It's just that with the wee bit of uh, keys appear now and again if he turns up. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's incredible having that in a set because it goes from being so powerful and, and brilliant, and then there's just that few minutes of just pure bagpipes. It's a brilliant yeah. piece, actually. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, you're welcome. Yeah, no, it's it's one that I like to think brings a tear to the, brings a tear to the eye of a lot of people who listen to it. Mm. Um, yeah, and again, another hugely honourable moment to play that on the on Ellis Island, where so many Scots had immigrated to. The US. My week finished, right? Uh, I, I'd been invited to, obviously, I'd met that girl, Donna. Yeah. Um, from just up the road. <laughs> from just <laughs> up the road. And because of that just up the road connection, she invited me to a, a party 
uh, or a kind of rooftop soiree, if you will, mm. um, at her gaff um, in Chelsea. And uh, I knew she'd obviously been successful in her life, but she was working on Wall Street, so she was doing pretty mm. well for herself. She was living in Chelsea. Yeah. And I, I rocked up to, I thought, oh, I better, ugh, you, you know what it's like when you're going into someone's kind of house pack, I better yeah. get a bottle of wine or something for them, you know? Yeah. So I'm stood there with my, with my, my council bag <laughs> and I go to the door and the guy says to me, are you on the list? And I said, am I on the list? I'm just, I'm just here to, to see my friend Donnie. And he said, yeah, but you need to be on the list. I need to be on the list. Mm, just to get into our house. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, my name's Craig Weir. And he was like, yeah, you're on the list. Just go in the elevator and, and up you go. <laughs> there, was a, there was a bouncer on the door of a house. Of, a, of an elevator. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and up I went. And before I knew it, I was at a party that Fred McCauley was at. So I'd obviously mm. fanboying of sorts over the mail in mm. the week. But I was at a party. There was me, there was Donna, there was a family, there was, there was Fred McCauley. It was basically a who's who of Scottishness from that week. It was, it was insane. What I didn't realise was quite the scale of where this party was at. We're in Chelsea, I know, which is fine. But we were sharing... Yeah, I found myself on a rooftop terrace. Yep. Uh, a shared rooftop terrace with Katie Holmes, who obviously was married to Tom Cruise. <laughs> We can't we can't explain why that's funny. <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I would say I'll edit that out. I'm, but not, I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah, I was on this rooftop terrace with um, Katie Holmes, who should who was married. Who's married? <laughs> who was who, should, who's, who was married? Katie Holmes, who shared a rooftop terrace with Tom Cruise, <laughs> who actually she was married with. Um, yeah. So um, you were on a you were on a rooftop terrace terrace with Tom Pitt, who was married to Brad Cruz. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I, oh. <laughs> I found myself on the rooftop terrace. Why is it the first time we've seen this sentence? Right. I found myself at this party on a rooftop terrace um, with Katie Holmes, who was married to Tom Cruise. And oh. there was Fred McCauley and a sort of who's who of like Scottish culture from that week. And of all the things that could happen that week, they decided that they were going to put on the Where We're From EP. And so right there, on that night, blasting out across Chelsea, across Manhattan, there was Where We're From, the EP, Katie Holmes, Fred McCauley, and whoever else. And it was just the most surreal moment. It was really, really... It's, it's still unbelievable. It, it, summed up, it summed up the madness of the week that I'd had with all these kind of personalities and opportunities and, and moments that... I'll never forget. I take it it was generally well received, the fact that they put the EP on. Well, nobody left, which yeah. sort of suggests that it had gone down okay. If there'd been a mass exodus from the, the rooftop terrace yeah. uh, that night, then uh, I would have been concerned. Just but considering whether it was nobody, like... Nobody went, huh? Yeah, what I was, was wondering thing? whether it's like when you put something in for your tea or something, you went, oh, I've ruined that. Or whether it was you put something in for your tea and go, oh, I can't wait for that. There's no middle ground. I would say... In comparison to that, I would say lukewarm. Lukewarm. Yeah. So it was kind of. Mm. Who who's lukewarm? Lukewarm. Warm look. Warm look. Mm. Huh? Huh? Huh?